Welcome to Guitar Radio Show, the show dedicated to the guitar player, guitar maker, gear builder and purveyors of such items that you may not know about, but should.
right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Guitar Radio Show. Our next guest throughout his career has recorded with and produced projects for and with Larry Coriel, Gary Hoey, Hal Lindis, Chuck Loeb, Steve Morris, Billy Sheehan, Bumblefoot, Le- Leslie West, who's been a guest on the show, of course, and as well as Bumblefoot, Mike Stern, just to name a few. His latest record is a tour de force. It's called Vegas Blue. It features Steve Morse, Bumblefoot, Tony Carey, Phil Narrow, just to mention a few. Please welcome to Guitar Radio Show, Mr. Brian Tarquin. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Uh, you know, this is such a cinematic record. The sound of it is such a cinematic record, and it really is... Uh, 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 quite a departure from like Orlando in Heaven or Smooth Jazz Cafe. What was the impetus behind this record? Well, what I wanted to do is um, go down a different avenue and kind of capture that moment in time that uh, that happened to those victims and, and kind of reflect it onto music mm-hmm. and try to, you know, bring you know, to the canvas, you know, kind of paint a picture yeah. of what, what exactly happened, emotions and of that night and um, of those few minutes that, uh, that that horrific thing happened. Yeah, all of that happening, and, and, you know, it's so, it's still so etched in my mind that all of that and, and, the, and the, the days afterwards... And how it was just, and as it was starting to uh, unravel, and we were starting to learn more about it, and um, it was such a dark moment. And all at the same time, Tom Petty had passed. I think that same day. Um, it was such a very, very strange time. And to hear this record, it's it's an incredibly emotional thing. This record. Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, it really, it really, really has. And and you know, I have some favorite tracks on the record that we're we're definitely going to talk about. And and I have questions relating to those tracks in particular, and your thought process and your emotion in those in those particular tracks. But um, it, uh, we can't go on without mentioning the fact that you, you know, and I had men- I, I had just mentioned that this is a very cinematic feel to this I mean like every one of these tracks could be in a movie of this of this subject matter or documentary of this subject matter Um, we can't go any further without mentioning all of the music that you've done for TV and film over the years Um, you and I even worked on a project a similar project as well. Like you did, you wrote the theme music for Road Rules, right? Oh yeah, that was years ago. Yeah, that was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And I remember doing uh, some of the some background music for some of the seasons of Road Rules, as well as the Osbournes and um, what was that show with Jessica Simpson, the Newlyweds? Oh yeah, yeah. Did a season of that and a, and a season of. There was this one thing with Surfer Girls, Surfer, I can't remember the name of it. It might have been called Surfer Girls, I don't know, that MTV did also. So, um, 
the the that cinematic approach and that cinematic feel was that was was that easy for you because of all this work that you've done in the past as far as you know doing i mean everything from road rules to Beverly Hills 90210 to CSI to Grey's Anatomy I mean it just goes on and on and on yeah because I think because of uh, you know I do instrumental music and that's the way I I hear things and you know I I incorporate kind of cinematic ideas into instrumental music instead of just being like you know a Satriani instrumental tune just straight ahead and do that I, I like to add different elements to add different colors and things to mm-hmm. the uh, to the landscape and that way it makes it a lot more interesting for the listener because you know you know without vocals you know people's attention span isn't uh, the greatest so you know you kind of have to you know catch them and you know kind of bring them in to a uh, instrumental piece for sure yeah so when you were doing this the new record um um, Vegas Blue how did you just use your own memory to draw upon or did you sit and watch old news reports how did you how did you you recall and bring all that back up because that couldn't be easy yeah, well, you know, I just used the memory. You know, I didn't, I didn't need to relive that. You know, to watch it, to know, you know, that was kind of etched into my brain. Those mm-hmm. scenes. So, um, so I just wrote really with Vegas Blue, kind of an emotional off of it. You know what I mean? Off of my emotions and what I remembered and right. how it must have been for you know a victim to have gone through that and seen right. it in the eyes of them and. Right. On the way in, we uh, we heard the title track on the way into this episode uh, called Vegas Blue. It's my favorite track on the record. It it really reaches me on a very deep level. Uh, the playing, the feeling, the intention. Uh, walk us through that track. Oh, great. Thank you. I'm glad that worked. You know, it's funny with that track. Originally, I was going to make it a a vocal track, but at the last minute I decided just to make it a instrumental track. And you know, that track I recorded with a, um, a longtime buddy of mine who's a drummer, uh, Reggie Pryor, and uh, we just kind of laid it down together um, with the rhythm parts and everything, uh, laid the bass down, and then, you know, I wanted to go for, you know, this Hendrixy kind of feeling. Mm-hmm almost like Woodstock-ish in the sense of when they pan off out to the audience of when they were leaving and he's playing. So I kind of, but I, yet I wanted to kind of keep a, a melody going and, and kind of going through that. So that's, that's kind of how it came together. A lot of times, you know, you start with one thing and you build upon it and the song takes you somewhere as you're doing it. You may not have had an idea before you had, you know, started into the uh, song but then as you lay tracks down you start to get different ideas mm-hmm. and the song kind of you know kind of leads itself and what you need to do mm-hmm. yeah well it's a great track it's uh it's well, the, it's the track that makes me i keep going back to it over and over again it's really really great um 
So when 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 you were putting this project together and decided, okay, this is I want to I want to do I want to kind of I want to kind of monument this time, this place in time, and you started to write music for it. How do you decide who you're going to ask to participate? So because you've got like distance, distant lights, which is really just in, intense. Um, you have uh, Steve Morrison, Hal Lindis on this. Oh, how do you go about deciding that? Is it the music that tells you, wow, this would be great to have Steve on? Generally, what I do is I write the piece already with, you know, who I want on there. Uh-huh. So with that on Distant Heart, <laughs> Steve loved that track when I played for him, so he just laid down that, that great solo that he did. And um, and how I thought would be, that song takes you through different sections and different parts. And I thought different guitars through there, like how with that middle section and, and the verses, and then of course the, the screaming solo with Steve. You know, I just felt, you know, that would be a good, you know, uh, kind of uh, direction for those guys. And uh, like with Trey Gunn, I wrote those kind of in mind with his bass playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's a lot of times when these songs, you know, I'm, I, I sit down and think, well, you know, I think this would be a good one for, you know, for Steve Morris, or this would be a good one for, you know, uh, you know, Tony Carey or whoever it may be. And so I sit down and uh, I kind of write towards their style. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, especially with uh, Distant Heart and Distant Lights. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, both of those tracks, I mean, it's a reprise, obviously, Distant Heart, um, is like... They're just gigantic in scope. They're just huge sounding. Um, was that stuff that, that obviously, or I could be wrong? Were they in the studio with you when they did this, or was this was this flown in? Uh, it was flown in with that particular one because Steve is on tour so much with um, Purple. Uh, you know, with purples, so that basically I have to, you know, uh, be able to get that. Right. And, yeah, with what I can. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gigantic that song. It's just incredible. So, um, oh, Light, Lights of Las Vegas with Bumblefoot. He he's he's fascinating guitar player. I love how, I love the way he thinks. Um, it's so yeah. He's cool. He's a great guy. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, and he's so left of center in his approach. Um, so this was kind of an interesting tune to hear him on. Yeah, I I like the way he kind of interpreted it and stuff, and, and the way he kind of um, I guess just may you know his his solos are great, and I I, I love the way he he's almost like a, a Zappa ish kind yeah. of approach to it. It was shredding minded, you know. It's uh, but it's, it's it's very cool. Yeah, it's funny actually. I have I have told him many times that I think if Zappa was still alive, he'd be his band leader. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, could you imagine hearing him play Zappa tunes? Yeah, that would yeah, it would th- be amazing. That yeah. would be crazy. I mean, that's a cat who could definitely do black napkins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right, and do it real, and do it justice for sure. Absolutely. 
Um, so walk yeah, definitely do it justice. Yeah. Walk us through uh, Evil in Men's Hearts. Uh, it's such a and with Tony Carey, and it's such a killer fusion groove. Walk, um, walk basically, us what I did, you know, we recorded that at the same time as Vegas Blue, that mm-hmm. particular song. Right. Um, and so it was the same process with that. Um, and I wanted, you know, I, I kind of wanted something different on that particular song mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, just a, a guest solo guitarist. Right. So I had contacted. Uh, Tony Carey and uh, he was gracious enough to uh, to lend his solo on that and I, I really like what he did it was cool and, and uh, you know he's got that progressive rock rock thing going on and, and I thought that would be perfect with it and then I added the horns because I just heard this kind of like you know horn parts in there and then yeah. a saxophonist uh, Don Black he's great and he he actually um, did that whole solo so cool Really, so it was. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, want to get something that you know, kind of uh, a little more lively. I didn't want the whole thing to be, you know, uh, you know, uh, this heavy kind of, so, know, yeah, somber album. I wanted, I wanted, you know, to uh, definitely get people to uh, to listen, yeah, and to you know, have a little more listening, yeah. Um. The track "Hollowed Ground" with Trey Gunn, um, to me, uh, when I when I first the first time I heard it, I was like, "Oh wow, this is like fusion meets Sabbath." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I wanted, you know, I love odd time signatures, and I want to do something in seven to eight, and that was, and and also it was the same, the other one that he did too. Um, uh, 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 the the other track that he did and and that was um, demonic and and that was kind of like a a, a cool little two piece I, I just heard him on that particular track and it was just kind of that kind of vibe it was almost like you know on on those tracks it's like Soundgarden kind of meets you know fusion mm-hmm. yeah it's got such I mean it is it's intense it's um... It really has this, and I I like the detuned. I used an eight string on both of those, so oh um, cool. So it, it was kind of like you know like that rumble. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that. You know, uh, in, re- in regards to gear on this, you know, I mean, each one of these has has such a unique thing. It couldn't have been just the same old, same old going all the way through. Ta- ta- tell us a little no, bit about no, the gear. It, because I, I actually, because I have a full studio, I have um, all these amps lined up together, and 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 basically, uh, it's like I have an amp head switcher, so I can switch in a, in a guitar booth where all the you know the cabinets are, so I can switch head to head to do what I like. And that particular, you know, those particular songs, I used an eight string um, uh, with a, actually a Marshall plexi. But what I like to do is I usually double track the rhythm parts to give it that more girth to it. And also sounds like two guys are, you know, playing, uh, and make it, make the track larger. But on, on the album itself, you know, you, I used everything from like a Strat to Les Paul to an eight string to 12 string, you know, it's, it's a very, 
that's what I like about doing guitar records. You can, I don't like to stick to one formula for every single solitary track, you know, just plug in to a Marshall and use the whole track. And right. you know, some things call for that and it's fine. But you know, on, on this one, I like to um, go through the spectrum and be able to use different gear and, you know, and uh, through different uh, mic pre's and, mm -hmm. and different microphones. And, and so that's, that's kind of like what I like to do. Sometimes I use a, um, that, uh, Framp tone switcher and I'll use, uh, a solo with two different, uh, amps. So I can have two at, at the same time, one on the left side, one on the right side. So maybe I'll have a major boogie on the left and on the right, I may have, you, you know, like a, offender or something so it, it kind of just breaks things up and gives more texture to it as well oh yeah i mean it, it creates a much more lush mix for you long t long term right yes yeah yeah it does it does it's, 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 it's fine you know yeah um what about what about in the way of of uh i mean you mentioned the framtone pedal what in the way of other pedals might you have used on this um, let's see, other pedals, I, I use, you know, I, I like the uh, Snarling Dog Wah, uh -huh. um, I have a couple of their pedals, and they're, and they're, they're great, so I use, um, uh, the Wahs on that, and, you know, I, I like the, um, uh, the 909, um, the TRS, the, uh, Ibanez, uh, Tube Screamer, right. um, so I use, I use that, um, you know, it's a, it's, uh, you know, I kind of use what I feel at the moment. Like I'll just grab it. Like I use the Vuna vibe on Vegas Blue. Yeah, I could um, definitely hear that, that. That Hendrix, you know, Trower kind of feel. Which Vuna vibe did you use on that? Uh, the Dunlop, uh -huh. uh, the reissue one. Okay. Very cool. Um, so, so the whole project, uh, how, I mean, from, from concept to completion, how long did it take you to do? You know, this process, this is a, a, a longer one than I usually do, but it was like over a year, you know, when I first started on it, um, I had to, uh, you know, get the concept down. I don't like rushing these things. And plus, you know, I want to compose and get it right for the, for each guest artist that's on it in that way, you know, and then I have to work around their schedule when they can do it. Sure. But I think that, um, you know, it probably was a little over a year to get everything, you know, pretty much mixed, mastering. You know, I recorded, the whole album basically was recorded on analog, um, and then it was mixed down to, half, uh, to quarter inch, and then I, from there, it was mastered uh, off a of quarter inch. So, you know, I tried to stay in the analog domain um, with this one, because, you know, I like the way the drums gives a fuller sound uh, to everything as well. Well, yeah, and then all the orchestration sounds really good against that as well. Yeah, I got a guy named Timo Stuck, and he he actually was an LA kind of orchestrator, and he uh, I had it roughly um, kind of sketched out, and then he got all the the real string sounds and everything onto there, stuff. Yeah, and uh, the breakdowns and stuff. So um, you know, it was cool. I, I really like. That's one of my favorite tracks because and and Vegas Blue, you know, that that really came out great. Yeah, I, yeah, it's 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 a huge sounding record. It's just 
and I, the only word I keep you coming back to is gigantic. It's a gigantic sound. Yeah, you know, I like, you know, I always take after the old records that, you know, you put on and they sounded big and huge and like you're in the room and with the band. And, and I always try to, you know, emulate that kind of sound because, you know, everybody lives so much today in the box. And uh, so I, I like to try to get the, the real, you know, uh, musician drum sounds and, yeah. and band in the room, you know. Yeah. What if if you were if if someone hearing the record for the first time, for you, what would be the track you'd want them to hear to really understand what you were going for? What would that be? Probably the first one. I think "Distant Light" would be the the one. You know, because you know, because that kind of an emotional track, and it's you know this big bombastic strings and everything. I think right. that's kind of what I was you know going for on that one. Right. You know. Cool. Cool. Um, so, just to jump off the record for a second, uh, people may not know, but you've you've won uh, two uh, Emmys for your work. Um, in Actually, uh, three Emmys. Three, three Emmys. Emmys. Sorry, three Emmys for your yeah. work in, in TV. Um, and having having been someone who did that for a while too, I was a stable musician for uh, for a for a company that outsourced to Master Source. Do you remember Master Source? Oh, I know Master Source really well. Yeah. You know, uh, Mark Ferrari was a buddy. Yeah, and I remember in the early '90s, we I went to his apartment in I think it was in Van Nuys and he was like just putting this lot this little thing together and yeah. giving people like cassettes and dats yeah and taking it right off of there yeah I, I remember I watched him grow into that whole thing and he sold it um to Universal yeah I mean just uh, yeah. huge thing and and so you know he would I was working for somebody uh with two companies called Alien Planet Music and Certival Music and uh and we would, he would send stuff, ask stuff from us and saying, you know, I need this. And then, you know, we, I need 24 of these and 12 of these and, you know, in different styles and stuff like that. And we would knock it out, you know, in a day or, or two days or whatever it was and send it off. And then, and it was just craziness, you know, where one day I'd show up and the guy would look at me and go, okay, it's going to be all bluegrass today. And I'd be like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, bluegrass. Okay, well, let me, you know, and I would, I would literally run out to the store, run out to like Guitar Center or, or local music store, and I would go and buy a Dobro and a mandolin and get it back to the studio, use it, and then return it. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> That's funny. Use it for the session, and they go back and return it, and they were like, "What's what's the matter with that guy? Ah, I'm just not jiving with it. It's not working." Oh, that's were you living in LA at the time? No, this we were in New York, and we were working with him through that way. So it was all. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was all early days of the internet, early two thousands. <laughs> So he was already he was already really cranking his master source, you know. But, oh yeah, yeah. By that point, yeah. By that yeah. point, he was cranking. Yeah. But we, you know, it's um, for you. How was that? What that ex, those experiences were 
for me were really interesting. Share with my listeners who are people that, you know, for, for people who would be interested in doing that type of thing or have, who are fantasized by doing that thing, talk about that a little bit. So it's, it's always interesting. Uh, for the, you mean for uh, composing for television? Yeah. And film? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I kind of fell into it because, when you know, in the 80s, you know, I kind of um, um, started, I was interested in, in studio engineering and I kind of uh, went into being an assistant engineer in the late 80s, early 90s to um, a jingle house. And then that's how I kind of discovered how, you know, TV uses so much music uh, mm-hmm. for various shows, and then of course you know the production companies and the music production companies and so forth. And that was in New York City at the time. And then I went, uh, then I went to California. I lived there for a long time. And and Mark was one of the first guys I met uh, when I got out there, as, as well as some other people. And he showed me how easy it was and it was like kind of an untapped marketplace at that point yeah at that time yeah yeah nobody really cared about it you know especially like record companies and record publishers they kind of snubbed their nose at it because yeah. you know at that time the, the record industry was very healthy and so there was no need to and I, I find it funny then you know fast forward like 10 you know 15 years later you know they were buying music production library mm-hmm. trying to get because they weren't making mechanicals anymore because the record industry kind of went down the toilet right. but you know the, the the interesting part about it you know I, I liked it you know doing being an instrumentalist it was kind of an easy segue and uh, at the time you know I, I started doing the contemporary jazz uh, uh, records for instinct records it was like an acid jazz movement and mm-hmm. uh it was before it turned into being smooth jazz, but they I had a number of hits on those uh, national radio stations. And so, like CD 101 in New York and all of those places and like The Wave and uh, yeah. Yeah, California. But, um, and that's how they started really using a lot of my music on television. And that's how I kind of like, um, they wanted me, they would hire me to do that kind of music, uh, instrumental jazz, or just instrumental um, guitar music for their shows. And so, it, you know, I kind of segued into through that way. But I, I kind of started doing music for television before um, I was doing music for television, like from 90120 and the, the original one and mm-hmm. you know, all these Melrose plays and all that um, when they were hot. So uh, in, the, in the early 90s, mid 90s. And so, um, it kind of like, you know, naturally took me that direction and I kind of just went with it and uh, kind of straddled both the record industry and the, uh, you know, the uh, composing uh, for television and film through, you know, uh, at the same time. So it was kind of, you know, it was a very interesting time because a lot of that, <clears throat> in those days, it was a lot more open. You know, I could bring something on a dat to a post house and they would use it you know, um, uh, in the next show, you know, uh, today mm-hmm. you couldn't, uh, uh, you couldn't do that. You know, today is like uh, a whole different, uh, ball game, you know, it's just so many more people involved with it. So it's kind of a whole different ball game. Oh, thing. it really but, is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you've done it. So you kind of know what that whole thing. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, now, is. now you've got really well-known guitar players 
and other and other musicians that are using pseudonyms and doing that type of work to supplement some of their income and yeah. they don't want anybody to know that they're, they're doing that. Yeah, I know that's kind of silly, but yeah, I know it's kind of uh, it's kind of nutty. Yeah. It's, like some of the people I know at some of the people I know at Sony, you know, they'll tell me, "Hey, so and so is doing, you know, commercials, jingles." I'm like, "Wow. For real? That's trippy." Yeah. But, Nobody can sell records anymore. Well, exactly, so exactly. And, and now that you know, and now that we're in a situation where touring is on hold for a while, yeah. <laughs> you know, where that where yeah. that where you were where you were making money on merch and some ticket sales, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing, man. So I know it's it's a crazy. Well, you know, it's there's so much with the what happened record they did everything wrong, so it's like you know. The artists actually pay for it, you know, and always. Even with, with um, streaming, it's insulting of how low, um, you know, pennies on a dollar. Yep. You know, that that they get. You know, it's absurd. And that was a deal that you know Sony and all these guys made with Spotify years ago, and the big payouts that they got. Yeah. Because of it, and you know, it's it's a shame. You know, uh, the way it's the way it's gone down. You know, I don't think we've ever. I don't know if we'll ever get back to the ten dollar CD equal to you know to what we do. You know, because now there's no physical and of course you know now it's it's all almost free basically you know yeah yeah i mean you know e- even though you even even for people go who say go ahead and say okay i'm going to pay for itunes itunes music and that's what i think it's 24 dollars a year or something like that uh, yeah so it's nothing I it's mean, nothing you know, it's so low yeah, and even I think even the uh, the servers, you know, the services are losing money. Spotify. Oh, absolutely, they iTunes are. iTunes from what? But it's all about you know, it's all about now this playlist of millions of like streams and yeah, it's crazy. It's well, and they make money on world, and they're making money on advertising on the on yeah. uh, through their platform. So you know. They're making more money that way. I mean, have you ever have you ever gone and priced, seen their media kits for, for for running an ad on Spotify? It's astronomical. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I heard it. Yeah, they, got, they have to make it up somewhere. Yeah, that's what, and that's where they're doing it. And there are people that are there. There are people. There are corporations that are paying that kind of money for that stuff. Because yeah. they're going to get in front, they're going to get in that audience. Yeah, they're going to get in front of ears, and, and they're going to, you know, the pop ups are going to get in front of, of eyes, and you know, and however it works, it works. Because majority of the people that use those platforms are using them in a free manner. So, yeah, it's 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 oh, it's a very twisted and very <laughs> it's a very very strange thing. It's the tiger eating its tail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it's. You know, it just it's not get the same you know result as you did thirty years ago. No. Uh, as far as you know, selling records. I mean, selling records is something thing of the past. You know, the, the new generation they don't even download. They don't do anything. It's no. like they want to listen to it. They stream it on YouTube and they're done. Yep. They don't even bother with the subscription. Yeah, and and so, that's that's it, the wild part too. Is YouTube is the number uh-huh. one streaming service. I know. Not even Spotify or iTunes. It's it's actually YouTube 
So that's what's even yeah, more amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's wild. It's totally wild. So what's next for you after this this incredible statement, this musical statement that you've made? What what do you what do you got in the hopper? Um, I have a album called I'm working on right now. Um, it's it's basically called um, uh, we changed the name of it, but it's called um, Oh Brothers in Arms. Uh-huh. And basically, what what that is is a it's featured for. Um, the people veterans and for the people who fought for our country and uh it's actually a really cool release you know i've got uh, a lot of guys in there and it's all about um really giving back to the uh to the veterans so we we, we give to the um the fisher house foundation who give um, housing for uh veterans who are like going into surgery and they give housing for their families while they're going through the surgery. And so this is going to be, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, I'm, I'm happy about this. This is going to be a very cool release. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this because being able to get there, UFO on there. And, uh, of course, Bumblefoot and, and Steve Morris are good friends of mine, so uh, they're on there. Billy Sheen's on there, Gary Howie. Very cool. Um, and uh, we have some new guys. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, this cat from Germany, um, Son of a Bach. He's mm. an amazing guitarist, and uh, he's going to actually, he's, he's on there as well. So And Kurt Chikisu from uh, Jefferson Starship. So um, you got a lot of a lot of guys, and it's, uh, we're, we're kind of... Uh, at the mix mode now, so it's um, we're really looking forward to it. Cool. So when will we when will we uh, see that or hear that? I'm hoping later in the year, um, maybe in the fall. Uh, just waiting for um, some parts from Craig, and then um, we'll be off to and running to mix the whole thing. So oh, that's um, excellent. Yeah, that's that's going to be that'll be a kind of a very cool record, and um, I even get the guitarist. Um, from uh, Coheed and Cambria. Wow, cool. So, wow, it's a real so nice mix the, of people. Uh, yeah, it's a real mix of guys. Yeah. And I like to use a mix of guys. You know, some guys, you know, some, some people don't like that. Some people want to have it the same exact kind of style as, uh, you know, as maybe, you know, Billy Sheehan or something. But I, I think, you know, it's all about guitar, and I think it's all about the whole, I think, huge picture of guitar mm-hmm. so um and and what people you know um as far as talk about guitar and, and we want to listen to it it's not just like you know one i never got stuck in like one style of guitar i like i like them all yeah you know, i like uh leo cocky and, and mm-hmm. all those guys and, and and michael hedges but you know uh you know uh, i love steve morris and i love you know albert lee and all these you know it's just uh, i think it's that's what makes the guitar so interesting because it can go in so many different genres. That's right. It's a buffet table. Yeah, it's a buffet table. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I love George Benson. He's great. Oh my god. And, you know, and so yeah, yeah, he's a shredder. That guy. Oh. And, and so yeah, that's why I like I like you know putting all of that in and uh, mixing it up because it makes it more interesting. Yeah. I have oh. a I, actually it's funny I have a, a guitar show called Guitar Tracks in in Florida and yeah on NPR right and I just. Yeah, and NPR, and, yeah. and actually a lot of, you know, I, I like, 
when I put the show together, I, I mix it up. I'll, I'll play George Benson, and then I'll play like an instrumental track from Iron Maiden, and then I'll play, you know, uh, you know, uh, a fusion track from you know John Schofield. And yeah. Pat Dean, and you know, I, I just like I like the mixture of everything. You oh, know, that's cool. That's my kind of show. That's that's kind of what I do. You know, it's not. Yeah, what, what, yeah. It's, it makes it more interesting than sticking in one style of music. Oh and yeah, the, for you sure. Know, you know, somehow, you know, radio stations got into this, you know, in the 80s after they were bought by, like, Clear Channel and so mm-hmm. many other huge conglomerations is that everybody wanted to program exactly the same thing. And well, if it didn't fit within that pigeonhole, they would not play it at all. That's because of the bean counters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you could be in any, you know, so then you lose the you know, each city's sound, you know, Chicago had a sound, New York had a sound, Philly had a sound, right. LA had a sound, and then all of a sudden, now they all sound the same, and right. if you didn't know the weather, if you didn't get the weather report, you wouldn't know where you were. So. Right. When did you, when did you leave New York to go to Florida? Uh, I left New York in, um, let's see, the first time I left, uh, oh, probably 90, early, you know. Okay, so you remember on Long Island, there was a station called WLIR. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, LIR, yeah. Right. Before before they became a new wave station, they, they were a station that literally, in a single set of songs, they would play a dead song, a Judas Priest song, Pat Metheny, and then The Police. You know, it was like yeah, they were like a college station. Exactly, yeah, they, cool they, they played the whole thing. Right, yeah. they were a commercial college station. I mean, it was I, I. They turned me on to Pat Metheny. They turned me on to the Police. They turned me on to the Dead. They turned me on to the New Writers of the Purple Sage. I mean, it was oh my god, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you know? oh, wow. Did you grow up in New York? I did. Yeah, I grew up on Long Island. I grew. Up, I was born in Levittown. And, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I would, I'm from uh, New York City. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, and then moved to Texas. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, man, it's, it, that, those are the type of stations that really, helped me develop my palette of loving all this type of type of music. You know, I mean, my three favorite guitar players, you know, it's crazy. My three favorite guitar players are Jeff Beck, Pat Metheny, and Jim Campolongo, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any more diverse than those three guys. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, <laughs> you know. That's great. Yeah, so, you know. It's, How long ago did you go to uh, Austin? Uh, I've been in Austin now almost 10 years. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's a music city, isn't it? Oh, man, is it ever. You'd love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the crazy thing is, it's, you know, people say, oh, it's all, you know, Texas blues. Well, no, there's a surf scene here. There's a metal scene here. There's a, you know, uh, indie scene, uh, singer-songwriter wow. scene. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. Every night of the week, you could be, you could see music every night of the week and it wouldn't be the same thing anywhere you go. Kind of like Nashville used to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And not as expensive as Nashville. And not as, oh, really? Yeah, I guess it's probably cheaper there. Yeah, I was talking to. No income tax, anyway. Yeah, I was talking to cousin Kenny Vaughn not long ago from Marty Stewart's band, and and we were talking about, he was saying how crazy expensive Nashville's become. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 
real estates through the roof. It's just a lot of people have moved there from LA. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It it became the new, uh, the new, you know, hip place to be, you know? Yeah. So, but they're bound to raise the prices. Of course. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, I got to tell you, this is a killer record and I wish you nothing but success with it. And, um, you know, I look forward to the next one. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, man. Anytime. And uh, can I ca- can I catch your show online? Yeah, you can. You can stream it every Monday night from uh, like tonight from ten a uh, ten p.m. to midnight. Cool. And are you doing it live or you're pre-recording? I pre-record. No, oh, cool. Smart. <laughs> But it's uh, but it's fun. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, as you know. Uh, it's it's so much it's fun. I love doing this job. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for for taking the time out in your day. I know you you got you're always at it. You're always busy. And uh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And uh, stay in touch, and uh, we'll see you soon. Sure. If you need some radio IDs, let me know, and I could do those in the studio. I will do that. Absolutely. I'll I'll shoot you a text. Okay, cool. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, GuitarRadioShow.com, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Find Guitar Radio Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, if you like the artists you hear on Guitar Radio Show, don't just stream their music, buy it.